This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Good morning, everybody. My name is Michael Kane, and you may have heard of a British actor by that name. Unfortunately, there is absolutely no relation whatsoever, and um, although I, I would like there to be, I guess, but uh, our last name is spelled a little differently. I, my family hails from the Emerald Isle, and I think he's from the British Isle, so anyway, my name is Michael Kane, and Pastor Ron asked me to step in for him today as he's away, and I just want to take a moment and say, thank, can we all just join our hands and say thank you to Pastor Ron for his 39 years... Almost 39 years, uh, I believe, October 1st, I believe it'll be 39 years, believe it or not, that he and Pastor, Pastor Susan have been here uh, faithfully shepherding Faith Living Church. So we thank God for Pastor Ron, uh, but he last, uh, I want to tell you a story first, uh, the, how it came about that I knew I would be teaching today was um, I was at a uh, Memorial Day ceremony in our town of Plainville. And, of course, it was last Monday, and right during the ceremony, I had a text just asking me if I could fill in for him today. I said, yes, I could, and that uh, I tried to remember, um, you know, what the, I remembered what the message was the week before, and I think it was, why, do you remember why, that message about why? So, um, and he just said, well, you can, you can continue that series, or you can, we're open to whatever you would like to teach, so... Anyway, I'm right in the middle of, uh, of this ceremony in my town of Plainville for Memorial Day, and there were some special speakers that were speaking at this celebration, one of which happened to be my 10-year-old son, Daniel. He was going to be speaking at this Memorial Day celebration, and how that came about was there was a contest all the elementary schools, there's three elementary schools in Plainville, and all the elementary schools, all the kids uh, could join this contest on what does Memorial Day mean to you? And uh, actually, I found out about it when I was down taking care of my dad. Over the Easter weekend there, he was ill, and I had to go down to Florida to take care of him for five or six days. And while I was there, my wife and, and, and my son Daniel called him, and I heard him asking him questions about his service in the Army and that he was in the Army during the Korean War. And, and then, and then uh, you know, I, Daniel was on the phone with me, and he asked me, well, what does Memorial Day mean to you? And so I told him, and not thinking anything of it. And uh, a few weeks later, all of a sudden, we find out he wins the essay contest. He wins this essay contest. And he was so excited. He was jumping up and down because he got a $50 gift card. And he was like, I've never had $50 before in my life. And he's excited about it. And then my wife tells him, and oh, the other thing is that you're invited to read your essay at the Memorial Day celebration. And his excitement and his joy turned to dread. And he said to my wife, now I wish I had never done it because I got to read it in front of all these people. But um, so anyway, the bottom line is my wife convinced him and, uh, and we... During that day, that last Monday, he was up there and he gave his, uh, read his essay. And I, I have a video of it, and you just bear with me. It's not the best quality. The sound isn't the greatest. There's some background noise. You can hear most of the words. 
But this is my son Daniel reading his essay at the Memorial Day celebration last Monday. Let's look at it now. Memorial Day is a day to remember and honor all the soldiers who have served in the armed forces of the United States of America. On this day, we show respect to all who have served and sacrificed everything by giving their lives to our country. Most people know someone who has served in our military forces, and it is a great day to have pride in our country and be proud of those who have gone to great lengths for our country. My grandfather, Alan King, served in the United States Army during the Korean War. He states, Memorial Day is remembering the soldiers who have given their lives for the freedoms we enjoy today. This is a strong statement to me. It means that we will always remember those soldiers and we know what they have done and why they have done this. These brave soldiers have loved our country so dearly and kept us safe from threats of war and danger. My father, Michael King, grew up feeling very proud towards his dad. He said, Memorial Day means never forgetting the sacrifices that were made to preserve freedom. I am very proud, too, that my grandfather helped keep these freedoms for me. It me, me, makes me think about what every soldier has done while serving. Memorial Day shows that there were brave sac and sacrificed a lot, sometimes even their lives. I also have an uncle who served in the Army National Guard. His name is Staff Sergeant Nathan Starr. I feel very grateful towards him because he served in Afghanistan and did many brave things. He never knew what dangers could come at him. He never knew what dangers could come at him. This is why I feel so passionate about him. He told me, when I am marching in the parade and I see people cheering on the sidelines, I am remembering about the fights and dangers that many of my fellow soldiers and I have gone through. I am so glad that he has returned and was not wounded. I am glad to know he is always ready to serve our country. Today, I feel like I am always being protected from threats anywhere in this world. Today, I feel watched over, cared for, and very honored by everyone who has served in our military. Thank you to every veteran who, and to those who are still serving today. Thank you for the sacrifices you have made, and as my uncle Nathan Starr told me, thank you for staying the course. Now, again, I apologize for the video. I know it wasn't the best quality, and it was hard to hear those words. But I am going to read his last uh, the paragraph that he wrote. Remember, this is my son is 10 years old, Daniel. These are his words. And by the way, that was his uncle Nate uh, and my brother-in-law, Nathan Starr, standing next to him. So I think it made, the, uh, made his point, drove it home anyway. Uh, this is his last paragraph and what he wrote. He says, today I feel like I am always being protected from threats anywhere in this world. Today, I feel watched over, cared for, and very honored by everyone who has served in our military. Thank you to every veteran and to those who are still serving today. Thank you for the sacrifices you have made. And as my uncle Nathan Starr told me, thank you for staying the course. And I want to ask anyone here, if you served in the armed forces in any capacity, uh, would you please stand to your feet now? Yes, and we thank you, and we are so grateful, and uh, I, I am so grateful to all those who served in the armed forces. 
you know, the freedoms folks we have and we enjoy now, that's, that's the reason that people, men, women, uh, were willing to go and fight for that freedom. And we thank God for those that have uh, sacrificed so much. But, you know, as, as my son, as I was waiting with him and he was getting ready to give his, uh, you know, read his essay, I could tell he was a little anxious. He was a little nervous. Have you ever been nervous before if you got to speak in front of a lot of people? I mean, some people are a little intimidated by that. I'm told that uh, it's one of the, you know, one of the things that people fear most is speaking in front of people. And so he's 10 years old. And I just, uh, as we're waiting there, I just said, let me, let's just pray together. Let's just pray together. So I, I just, and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to make him, make it obvious. I didn't want to pray out loud. I wanted to be as quiet as I could. I wanted to keep it as, as inconspicuous as possible. I put my hand on his shoulder and I just prayed that the peace of God would rule in his heart. It says that in Colossians 3.15. I said, may the peace of God, Daniel, rule in your heart. And that was it. And that was just simple, just, as, just so he could hear it. And, uh, you know, and he got up there and he gave that speech or that, you know, he read his essay. And I think he did a wonderful job. And I don't think there was too many people. I know all our family, our, all our kids were there. And uh, we were all, quite frankly, we were all had a few tears in our eyes when we heard it. Uh, but the question I have for you today is, have you ever faced a task? Or has there been an obstacle or a challenge or a dilemma or a mountain? Maybe you're facing one right now. Maybe you're, there's something and you're saying, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And it looks like it's something that's insurmountable. It's something that you're not able to conquer. And I had something like this happen to me recently. My daughter, my oldest daughter, who's a, who's a runner, as a gift to me, and I, I'm still trying to figure out, it wasn't for my birthday, it wasn't for Father's Day, what was this gift for? She said, I'm going to give you a gift. And she said, I'm going to sign you up to run in the Hartford Half Marathon <laughs> in October. It's 80 bucks. I said, gee, thanks a lot. You know? <laughs> and uh, she's all excited. And, uh, and so I'm like, I mean, now she's 25 and she's running all the time. I'm 53. I don't think I finished the mile. When I was in high school trying to make the football team. I don't think I, I ran the mile in the qualified time. I mean, I think I had to run the last lap, and that's when I was, you know, 17 years old. And here I am, 53, and she wants me to run, you know how long a half marathon is? 13.1 miles, okay? A marathon's 26.2, and just to give you an idea, I live in Plainville, all right? 13 miles is from my house to here and back, okay, running, and so I thought to myself, well, I need to do something in preparation. So thank God the Plainville Rec Department has this course called Couch Potato to 5K. <laughs> Couch Potato to 5K. It starts June 10th at Norton Park. And if there's anyone interested in, in running with me in October, the Hartford Half Marathon, come and join me in Norton Park in Plainville. The Couch Potato to 5K, that's, that's going to be my training course and... and uh, but that's my, that's my challenge in front of me. I've got, I don't know how many months it is. Is it five, four, four or five months before uh, the half marathon? But, and my, my daughter said, that was a gift to me. That was a gift, right? I said, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. But do you have something that you're faced with 
It might, it might be a little more serious than that. Are you a single mother, single father? Are you experiencing addiction or have experienced addiction in the past? Are you considering starting a business? Do you have relationship issues, this challenge of a, of a difficult relationship? Are you struggling to pay the bills? Can anybody identify with that except me, maybe? Are you raising children? Are you trying to save a marriage? So these are things, you fill in the blank, these are the kind of things that we face. And my son had a taste of that, you know, this, I have to, I have to read this essay in front of all these people. To him, it looked like this huge challenge, this insurmountable obstacle that he had to overcome. So today, I want to talk about a very well-known story in the Bible. And you might have gathered from our opening song uh, that it's about David. How many of you know David, right? David. And what is he famous for? Fighting Goliath, right? So let me give you a little background before we read the story. Let me tell you about David. David was the youngest of eight sons born to Jesse, who lived in Bethlehem. And Samuel, the prophet of the time, he was told by God that God had rejected Saul, who was the first king of Israel. He had, God had rejected Saul because he was disobedient, because of his disobedience. And God told Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem. There's a man there named Jesse. He's got eight sons. I'm going to select one of him to be the next king. So Samuel went. He saw Jesse. He saw all of his sons, the oldest to the last. He saw seven of them. And, and a lot of them looked like they would be the one, you know, that surely God has anointed because they were tall, they were good looking. They, they looked the part. They had the outward appearance. But God said it's none of these. So Samuel said, well, we're not going to, do you have any more sons, Jesse? He says, yeah, there's a boy out in the field, but he's just a boy. And Samuel said, we're not leaving until he comes. So as soon as he came, God said, he's the one. He is the one I have selected. And the Bible says that Samuel poured oil over David as a sign of anointing. And the Bible says that he was, was empowered and he was blessed with the Spirit of God from that day forward. And then in the meantime, Saul, who's now rejected by God, has been distressed. He's been troubled with a distressing spirit, the Bible says. And it's so distressing that he doesn't know what to do. It's going to drive him insane. And some of his palace guards tell him that, you know, there's a very skillful player of the harp, one of the sons of Jesse. If you call him, maybe if he plays his instrument, It'll bring relief to you. So sure enough, Saul sends someone to get David. David plays the harp. And this distressing spirit that was tr troubling him, he finds relief when David plays his harp. So at this time, David is, he's not forgotten about his father, Jesse. He still has to take care of the family farm. He still has to watch his sheep. And he's a shepherd by, by trade. But he's also going and, and he's always going back and forth between Saul and his father Jesse. In the meantime, the Israelites enter into a battle with the Philistines, their arch enemy, the Philistines. And the Bible says the Philistines were on one hill and the Israelites were on the other and there was a valley in between them. And it says that the Philistines had this champion named Goliath. 
and that he was nine feet, nine inches tall. He was six cubits in a span. And I just happen to have, have a tape measure to give you an idea of what nine feet, nine inches is. Just to give you an idea how big this guy was. Okay? That right there, the top of my tape measure, is nine feet, nine inches. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. His armor alone weighed 126 pounds. The end of his spear weighed 15 pounds. And this champion named Goliath would come out every day in the valley between the Philistines and the Israelites. And he would taunt the Israelites. He would taunt them. And this is what he said. First, found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 10, it says this, I defy the armies of Israel today. And that word defy means I blaspheme. I blaspheme. Send me a man who, fight, who will fight me, he says. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So they're seeing this nine foot, nine inch guy, and he's defying them. He's challenging them to send someone out to fight him. And he says, if, if, the, if whoever you send fights me and you win, if he defeats me, we will be your servants. But if I win and I defeat him, you have to be our servants. So he does this for 40 days, the Bible says. And it says in verse 24, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. So they heard him and they were terrified. When they saw him, they ran away. Does that look like faith to you? Does that look like faith to you? And during this time, Jesse, at the same time, he says, David, I need you to do me a favor, okay? Your three old, remember, there's eight sons of Jesse. The three oldest sons are fighting in Saul's army. And Jesse says to David, I want, to, I want you to take this, these supplies and bring them to your brothers, and to see how they're doing. Bring this. I'm going to give you these supplies. I want you to go and see how they're doing. And as David shows up, bring, doing what, simply obedient to what his father asked him to do, he hears, he hears Goliath taunting or defying or blaspheming the army of Israel. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 32. And he says this. This is David. He says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Now, you should know this. The age of David is be, was about between 10 and 15, although no one knows exactly. He was between 10 and 15 years old. And just to give you an idea, my son Daniel is 10 years old, and you saw him in that video, right? He's about 4 feet 8 inches tall, okay? And I have a son, Ryan, that is 15, and he's almost 5 feet 8 inches tall. So about a foot difference between them. So David, we can reasonably say that he was anywhere from 10 years old to 15, about 4 feet 8 to 5 feet 8. Now how tall was Goliath? 9 feet 9 inches tall. And here's this 5 foot whatever little boy that says to King Saul, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. What do you think Saul's reaction was? Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. 
There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. And David's response to Saul was, why not? And this is what I'm going to talk about today. David, when he was confronted with this nine foot, nine inch, being four foot something, five foot, whatever he was, he said, I'll go fight the giant. I'll go fight him for you. And think about it for a minute. This is Saul telling him he can't do this. This is supposed to be the leader of Israel. This is supposed to be not only the political leader, the military leader, but the spiritual leader of the nation of Israel. And he's saying, you can't do this. And David had to be thinking in his heart, wait a minute. Don't you serve the same God that I do? I can't believe you don't believe I can do this. Because don't you know it's not about me? It's about him? It's his battle? Listen to what, listen to what David said here in verse 34. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm seeing a lion or a bear come after me, I'm going the other way. Would you not agree with that? And David said, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Now, it doesn't say he catches it by the tail. It says he catches it by the jaw. Isn't that the dangerous part? Isn't it? He goes after it, and then he goes right for the jaw. And listen to what he says. I have done this to both lions and bears, plural, S, plural. Think about it for a minute. He's between 10 and 15 years old, okay? My son Daniel's 10, my son Ryan's 15, okay? This has happened in the past, and it's happened multiple times. It says, I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it for this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And can't you hear that righteous indignation in David's, in his voice? He has defied my Lord. He has defied my God. He has blasphemed my God. How dare he do that? Verse 37 says, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He said, listen, Saul, I know you're the king and I respect that. But I know a God that has rescued me. He's done it for me in the past. Why don't you think he won't do it for me now? Have you ever heard of the term muscle memory? Muscle memory. Everybody know what that is? Now, everybody, whether you, whether you know it or not, you have muscle memory. We need muscle memory to be efficient driving a vehicle, how many of you type or keyboard, right? You can do 60 words a minute. That's all part of muscle memory. How many of you play a sport? Have you ever played a sport? Okay. Basketball. Have you ever heard of a guy named Steph Curry? Okay. He's a great three-point shooter. He has great success. He can shoot it from 30 feet away and with regular uh, success, get it to go in the basket. And there was another basketball player. How many of you have heard of Larry Bird? You ever heard of Larry Bird? Great basketball player, legend. Legend, Larry Legend, okay? I'm, I love Larry Bird. I, 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 one of my favorite basketball players. 
And Larry Bird, there's a story that when there was a first, the first three-point contest, he walked into the dressing room, and there was all these players, I mean, the best shooters in the world, the best basketball shooters in the world. He looked around at everybody, put his hands on his hips, and he said, I'm just trying to see who's going to finish second. <laughs> and guess what he did? He won. He won. And there's stories about Larry Bird that he would go before, I mean, the game was on the line, you know, it was tie score right at the end of the game. He would go out to the opposing players. He would tell them what the play was that they were going to run. And he'd go out there, and he did it time and again. He shot, game over, game one, clutch, one of the most clutch players of all time, one of the best shooters of all time. Well, he had finally tuned his muscle memory so that he had confidence. He had conditioned himself. And what you don't, may not know about Larry Bird is that after a game, he would go out and shoot 700 jump shots after a game. And he finally tuned that muscle memory and that muscle memory that, that you know, your, your ability to, to understand, okay, how much pressure do I need? How much strength do I need? What is the distance? What is the accuracy? All that computing in your mind, it's all part of muscle memory. And because he had, he had had so much success in the past, it gave him confidence to stand before everybody and say, I'm going to win this thing. He had confidence. Well, David, David had a thing called faith memory. He had faith memory. It's like muscle memory, but it's faith memory. He said to Saul, he said, listen, I've experienced God myself. He showed up for me when I needed him most. I was, you know, I'm taking care of the lambs. I, I called on God to help me. And there was a lion and a bear, and he did. He showed up. I know God. I know who I serve. And I know I'm on his side. And if I'm on God's side, what, what's the big deal about this Goliath? I, don't, I know he's 10 feet tall. Who cares? Do you know how big God is? That's what I'm sure was going through his mind when Saul said, there's no way you can do this. But he had faith memory. He had learned to trust God. He, and from his experience, he knew that God would also help him in the future. He had faith memory. He went after it. He didn't run away from the challenge. He ran towards the challenge. Verse 37 says this. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. And just to put that in modern vernacular, I can hear him now. He says, well, you know what? God bless you. God bless you. Because you're going to need it. That was probably his sentiment. Did he really believe that he was going to be successful? Absolutely not. Verse 38 says this. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. And just a side note here. This is important. Young people, do not rely on someone else's experience to build your own faith memory. Young people, don't rely on your parents' faith experience and count it as your own. You need to have your own. And parents, don't count on your children's either. We need to have our own personal experiences of trusting God in order to build our own faith memory. And verse uh, 38 says this, excuse me, 39. So David took them off again. Verse 40. 
He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Have you ever heard of trash talking? Okay. He was the first trash talker, okay? Goliath, he knew something about trash talking here, okay? But David, verse 45, replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He pointed that out. You blaspheme my God. He took, he took personal Anger in that. He had, he had righteous indignation. He was jealous for God. He was jealous for God's name. Verse 20, 46. Today the Lord will conquer you. He doesn't say, I will conquer you. He says, the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give you the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. And this is the thing. He gave the glory to God. He gave the credit to God. He didn't say, this is what I'm going to do. He said, this is what the Lord's going to do. It's not my battle. It's the Lord's battle. And that's who I represent because I know I'm on his side. Verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Oh, I love that. He didn't run away. He, went, he said, let me at him. Four feet and a half tall, nine feet tall, let me at him. He knew who was behind him. He knew who had his back. Verse 49, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed, triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and he used it to kill him and cut off his head. And I'm sorry that this is a PG-13 message today, okay? It's a little bit of, little bit of violence there. But he overcame that Goliath. He overcame but it wasn't him, and he pointed that out. It was, I stand for the God who he defied. This is the guy that defied you, Lord. Didn't you hear what he said? So what is your, what's your Goliath? What is your battle? What is your challenge? What are you facing today? What mountain are you facing today? Is it physical, emotional, relational, relational, spiritual? Financial. And the enemy of your soul tells you, you can't do it. You're not strong enough. You're too young. You're too old, Tom Brady. Okay, I won't go there. I just wanted to see what kind of reaction I would get, okay? I know I'll lose probably more than half of you if I go there, so I'm not going to go there. You're not smart enough. 
You're not talented enough. You don't have enough experience. You made too many mistakes. You've sinned too much. You're divorced. You're married. You have a handicap. Whatever it is, all the reasons why something can't be done. But I'm here to tell you today, why not? If you believe in the God that I serve, the God that David served, remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same God, folks, that helped David can help you. And there's an old hymn that we used to sing years ago. It goes like this. Got any, got any rivers that you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains that you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. And he will do what no other power can do. Does anybody remember that hymn? Anybody? That was a good one. We used to sing that a lot back then when I was first a Christian. Philippians 4.13 says this, for, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. How many of you know that scripture? Have you memorized it? Yes. For I can do, we can do anything. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. The, and the key here is that it's his strength, not our strength. We give the glory to God. We can't do this ourselves. We can only overcome with his strength. And think about it. How does God impart strength to us? How do you think he does that? Through prayer, right? Would you say yes? Through his word? Through the Holy Spirit. We can be filled. How many of you know we can be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's where that strength comes from. But what excuses? If we believe, Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. If we believe that, why do we give God excuses for not serving him? If we really believe that, why do we give a, and other people excuses? This is, I can't do this, I can't do that. You see, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I can't do it. The problem is it's, it all begins with I. I, 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 I. And David never said I once. David, in that battle, if you, if you read this, he never said I. He said the Lord. He had his focus on God. The subject of his faith was God, not himself. And I want to ask you this question. What was it about David that resulted in this great victory? What was the thing about him that, I mean, this is a great victory. Here's a 10, 15-year-old boy conquering this nine-and-a-half-foot-tall giant with a sling and a stone, one stone. What was the thing that resulted in the great victory? Well, one of the things was this, and it's testified about David in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. 1 Samuel 13 in the Old Testament says this in verse 14. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And that was David's testimony in the Old Testament, that he was a man after God's heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now this was Samuel talking to Saul, remember. Okay, he had disobeyed. He didn't wait for Saul to show up to offer the sacrifice. He couldn't wait. He was impatient. And he offered it anyway. And it was disobedience to God. 
And Samuel said to Saul, your kingdom must end, Saul. God has rejected you, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And look what it says in the New Testament. Acts chapter 13, verse 22 says this, And God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And that is the number one point that you have to understand about being who David was and the testimony that he was a man after God's own heart. Number one thing, he was obedient. He was obedient to the Lord. Look what it says in Psalm 119. And by the way, the Psalms, if if you didn't know, most of you may know this, but David wrote exactly half of the Psalms. David wrote 75 of the 150 Psalms. And Psalm 119 was one of the Psalms that he wrote. It says this, Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. David pledged his obedience to God. He pledged his obedience. And how many of you know, you can, you know, talk is cheap. You can say you love God all you want. You know what the proof of your faith is? Obedience. Proof of my faith, proof of our faith is our obedience. And David was obedient. And he had a passion for obedience, being obedient to God. And there's one thing about obedience to to God's word. You have to first know what God's word is. So it's important that we study his word on a daily basis so we know what we need to obey. Another important aspect about David, look with me in Psalms 27. It says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? And David understood very well that you can't please God without what? Faith. And he understood that fear in his life was the opposite of faith. And if you believe that God is on your side and he's all-powerful, then why should you, there's no reason to be afraid. And David understood the value and the importance of faith in his life. And what made Saul and his men run away or be terrified was a lack of faith. And that's why, that's why God rejected Saul. And another important aspect about David, look with me in Psalm 18, verse 1. It says this, I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, O Lord, my strength. He was not ashamed to express his love for God. And how many of you just said out loud, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. Have you, I wish everybody's hand was up. You know how important it is to tell God you love him. We used to sing a, another old hymn, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. In your ear. Somebody knows that. We used to sing that. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. Aren't you happy when somebody says, I love you? Doesn't it make you happy? Doesn't it make you feel good? Remember, we're created in the image of God. Do you think it, it makes him feel good when we say, Lord, I love you? And then we match what we say with how we obey him. And you know, how many of you got kids or family 
of any kind, I want to encourage you. Tell them you love them. Tell them you love them on a regular basis. And I'll, I'll, I'll blame my wife for this, because I have to blame my wife. But she started when the kids were young. My wife started that whenever the kids wake up, say, I love you. Whenever they go to bed, I love you. Whenever they go off to school, I love you. Whenever they go to the bathroom, I love you. <laughs> Whenever they brush their teeth, I love you. And our kids, as a habit, Whenever we part, we always say, I love you, I love you, I love you. And it's a great habit to be. They make fun of it. They, they make fun of it. But even my 22-year-old son, still, as he goes off to work, he says, I love you. It's important to tell others in our family, but even in the family of Christ, that we love them. And even more important, to tell God that we love him. And that's where David's heart was. He wasn't ashamed to share his love for God. And, and this is one of the most important things. I want to look at David's life. And look with me in Psalm 51, in verse 1. It says this, another important aspect about David. Listen to what it says. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. And how many of you know, as, as almost as famous as David was for defeating Goliath, his sin was just about as famous, was it not? And he wrote this psalm, David wrote this psalm after he had gravely sinned. And how many of you know the story? That during a time of relative ease, when he was king, he went out on his deck and he saw a woman there and she was bathing. And it tempted him. And she called the woman to, be, to come, with, come to him. And he committed adultery and her name was Bathsheba. She was, the Bible says she was beautiful to look upon. And if that wasn't Enough, he had her husband, Uriah, put on the front lines of the army to make sure he would be killed. So it was a, a double evil. He committed adultery, and then he committed murder by having her husband killed. And he kind of thought, you know, this was going to be forgotten. And then if you read the scripture, God, it, displeased, it says it, that what he did displeased God. And God sent a prophet named Nathan to him. And Nathan, Nathan told him a story. He said there was a rich man and there was a poor man. The rich man had all kinds of flocks. He had thousands and thousands of, of lambs and, and goats and he had all kinds. And this poor man only had one little lamb. And the rich man had somebody that was come, a visitor coming to him, a guest. And he was going to stay with him. And he needed, he needed a lamb to provide the meal for his guest. And he went out, this rich man, and he took the poor man's one little lamb. And he took that little lamb, even though he had thousands and thousands of lambs that he could use at his own disposal, he took the one little lamb that belonged to the, rich, uh, the poor man. And David said, how dare he do this? A man like that shouldn't be allowed to live. And what did Nathan do? He looked at him and he said, you the man. I mean, modern vernacular, okay, you the man. He said, you're the man. And this is the psalm that David wrote when he was confronted with his sin. Verse 2 says, wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will prove right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. 
Do you think David went, and when he was confronted with his sin, you know, he said to Nathan, he said, well, you know, it's really Bathsheba's fault. You know, I mean, she should have known. I mean, she's out in the open. I mean, should have known that somebody was going to come and see her. You know, it was really, it was Bathsheba's fault. And Uriah, well, you know, Uriah, I mean, you win some, you lose some. I mean, you know, he's in the war. What do you expect? I mean, you know, you know he's on the front lines. I didn't know he was going to die. Do you, is that what David did? No. No. He confessed. He agreed. He agreed with God about his sin. That's what confession is. I said, yes, God, it is sin. I agree. Please forgive me. Verse 5, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my, father, my, excuse me, my mother conceived me. Verse 6, but you desire honesty from the womb teaching me wisdom even there. Verse 7, purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. And how many of you know, one of the results of sin is we lose joy. We lose joy, that joy of the Lord, when we've sinned. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, and now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. And this is one of the most important aspects about David that made him a man after God's own heart. He had a repentant heart. He understood what true repentance was. He didn't try to hide his sin. He admitted it. He agreed with God about it. And it's one thing, remorse, you know, remorse says, I'm sorry. Repentance says, forgive my sin. He did not, David did not take his sin lightly. And he didn't blame someone else or something else for it. As, you know, it seems like we're in a society where there's always a cause for for your bad behavior. There's always a reason. Why can't we take, he took personal responsibility. And that's what true confession, true repentance is. Taking personal responsibility for our sin. And he understood, most importantly, it was a matter of the heart. And David did something that you and I need to do, and, and we need to learn from this. David learned to encourage himself in the Lord. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. It said, says this, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And just to give you a background, real quick, uh, you know, in a nutshell, what was going on here, David was running from Saul, and he had gathered about 600 men, and they had taken refuge in the land of the Philistines, and in a, in a town called, a village called Ziklag. And they had gone there, and they had their, they had their wives and their children were there. And then David said, I'm going to join my forces with the Philistines and go fight the Israelites. And he went out, and when he got to the Philistine camp, they said, well, you're Hebrews. We think there's a chance that you might turn on us during battle. So I don't think it's a good idea that you join us to fight other Hebrews. So the, the Philistine leader sent David and his men back to Ziklag, and in the meantime, while he was away, this band of raiders called Amalekites came. Father, in Jesus' name, we hear that siren right now, Lord, and I just ask that whatever the need is, Father, you would meet them at their point of need, whether it's salvation, healing, deliverance. I ask in Jesus' name, and I ask for those that are, 
are helping, Father, that you give them the ability to serve and to provide whatever is needed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so the Amalekites came and they raided Ziklag. And it says they burned everything and they took all the, the wives and the children, they took them hostage and they took them away. And this is where we stand in verse 6. And it says, David was now in great danger because all his men, all his men, were, they were mad at him. They were ticked. Because he, he was the one they were following. And because of him following to go help the Philistines, the, the, you know, the, all their children were, and, and, uh, and their wives were taken hostage. And all the men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk about stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Some versions say he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now how do we and how did David find strength in the Lord his God? When your cell phone is losing strength, how many of you have, have one of these, like charger cords? Are we not lost without our charger cord? Have you ever been looking around frantically, where's my charger, where's my charger? Well, wouldn't it be great if God, our Heavenly Father, was USB compatible? And we could plug in and get recharged. Just plug right in. I'm getting charged up, God. Hallelujah. Thank God. And you're USB compatible. But that's not how it happens, right? But it says this in Psalm 9, verse 1. It says, this is David. It says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonders. And one of the things David did was he praised God. And remember, Pastor Ron taught on this a few weeks ago. Praising God isn't walking around saying, I praise you, God, I praise you, God, I praise you, God. You can understand what the definition is by the scripture. It says, I will tell of all your wonders. How do you get strength from the Lord? What has he done for you? Tell of his wonders in your life. Your testimony will give you strength. Sharing his word, what he has done for you. How do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our testimony. So that was one way. But I'm sure he also, remember, he wrote half of the Psalms. I'm sure he thought of a few Psalms. Wait a minute now. God is my refuge. God is my strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore I will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. That's Psalm 46. He, and he wrote them, so I'm sure he had them committed to memory. Psalm 42. He's talking to himself. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. This is how David found strength. This is how he drew strength from God. And this is how you and I can draw that same strength. I encourage people all the time when, when we're up here praying. I say, if there's one thing I could tell you, if you have Bluetooth in your car, even if you don't, if there's a way, if you have a CD player, get the Psalms. Listen to the Psalms. They are strength. They will build your faith. And that's one thing. That, that's how we get stronger, is by building our faith. So I would encourage you, that's how David, he encouraged himself, he found strength in the Lord. And this is one of the reasons he was a man after God's own heart. Remember, it's the same God that helped David, that can help you today. The last verse I want to share with you today is found in Romans 8, verse 31. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Amen. Is that not an awesome verse? 
to give you strength, to give you confidence when you're facing a battle. Verse 32 says this, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? And we know that we do have an accuser. How many of you know? The enemy of our soul, Satan, the devil, is the accuser of the brethren. And it says, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. God has justified us. He has declared us not guilty because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we appropriate that by faith, we are declared not guilty. We can stand before a holy God just as if we had never sinned. And that's what God has done. Not that we deserve it. Not that we deserve it. Not that anything we've done. No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Verse 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So if it's not enough, the fact that God is for us, guess what? His son, Jesus, who died on the cross for us, our Savior, God raised him up. And he's now, right now, at the right hand of God, pleading. That means interceding. He's praying for you and me. So with, does this not give you confidence when you're facing a battle? Does this not give you faith memory? This something that you can fight whatever you're battling today. You can have confidence, just like David did. No one, God himself has given us right standing. Uh, no one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. He's praying for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And was not David in danger and threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And that is something worth memorizing, is it not? Would you agree? And I just so happen to have a scripture memory card for everybody today. So before you leave, there's a little business card fit right in your pocket, back pocket, front pocket, wherever. And it's got this verse on it. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours who loved us through Christ who loved us. So how do you build faith memory? How do you build the kind of confidence that David had when he faced Goliath? And he said to Saul, who said, you can't do this. He said, why not? He said, why not? He knew the God he served. He knew God. He had experienced God. And God, he proved God was faithful. So whatever battle you're facing today, I want to encourage you. Trust God. Put your faith and trust in him. And remember, tell somebody today about something God has done in the past. It'll inspire you. It'll give you faith. It'll strengthen you for the battle you're facing. And we can answer with confidence when somebody says we can't do something or we can't do it. We can answer, why not? Why not? 
and use that as strength to condition to expect yourself for, to be successful because God has delivered you. He has healed you. He has provided for you in the past. What makes you think he's not going to do it again? Build your faith memory so your condition to it, so your confidence is built in God. Remember the things he's done for you and share them with somebody. You, who knows? You might inspire someone else to put their faith and trust in God. Amen? Let's, let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your goodness, your mercy. We love you, Lord, this morning. And I thank you for your word. And I pray for everyone here today, Lord, that whatever Goliath, whatever challenge they're facing, Father, that you would give them the kind of confidence that David had, the kind of assurance that you're, you've got their back, that you've done it for them in the past. And what means, and what, why would anyone say that they wouldn't be successful for the future? Help them to remember and to tell somebody about what you have done in their life. Help us all to do this, Lord, to, to build our faith memory, just like muscle memory. So we expect success. We expect you to come through, Lord. Lift up my brothers and sisters. Give them your strength today, Father God. Pour in your strength. Help them to trust in you for whatever obstacle or challenge or dilemma they're facing. Give them your strength. And while our heads are bowed, I just want to ask you all to pray with me, a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith. And I want to encourage, if there's anyone here that has never received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, if you don't have the assurance that you know God, you know His Son, Jesus Christ, you have a personal relationship, if you're not sure if you've repented of your sin, I want to encourage you to do that today. I want you to encourage you. The Bible says we've all sinned, all of us. And our sin separates us from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. And Jesus is alive because not only did he die on that cross, he, God raised him from the dead. And he's alive today and he's here right now, ready to meet you at your point of need. So if you would all join me together and those that have never prayed before, I want to encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that you love me. I know that you sent Jesus Christ, your son, to die on the cross, to pay the price for my sin. And I believe Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive right now. And he offers life to everyone that would believe and to everyone that would receive. I open my heart right now and I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I am sorry for my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I believe the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all my sin. Help me to have the kind of faith that David had to trust you when I'm facing my Goliath. In Jesus' name, amen.